Wait for it. Welcome to the Mushroom Movie Podcast, everybody. Um, I have Alex with me. Zach is off on a personal holiday. So we shall do this thing. Shall we, Alex? Press on. We shall press on. We shall press on. <clears throat> so, um, news. Right. So, McClunky. Um, that happened. Um, Clarify? So what happened? So they changed the Han shot first scene in New Hope for Disney Plus, right? Oh, they did. And when Greedo, di- it's more of like a perfectly timed exchange of gunfire. Now, and when Greedo dies, he yells McClunky. What? Yeah, it's funny. It's really funny. <laughs> Why? What does it mean? I don't know. I don't know what McClunky means. They didn't. I guess they didn't have subtitles for it, but everybody's laughing about it until There's... until everybody started yeah. gushing about Baby Yoda. But yeah, that's going to take over everything. It already has. It's too late. Yeah, it's done. Um, so there's this moment in It 2, It Chapter 2, where this really, like, kind of scary, disgusting thing happens, and for no reason they play a song that has nothing to do with anything, just for, like, three seconds. It, it, it makes no sense. No one knows why it's there. It's just there. It reminds me of that. Like, I get he's an alien, he has a language, but if you don't do subtitles, it, it's just a sound. <laughs> so that happened um the mandalorian is still awesome baby yoda is taking over uh, spoiler alert baby yoda is taking over the galaxy literally the whole entire galaxy say what yeah um is a little hitler no um it'd be funny if it turned out that way have you finally gotten to mandalorian have you pirated it in any way or something like that no, um, just timing wise, uh, I have. Okay, um, I see. My dad, my dad did get uh, Disney Plus, and when I have the time, I'm gonna get a chance to. I'm gonna see him uh, soon, so I'm gonna see if he wants to start a, start it over. He likes uh, old fashioned western in the context of Star Wars, dude. It's awesome. It's right up your alley. Fabro does a nice job. I like westerns. So, um. What else is there? Did you hear? Okay, so did you? You saw Aladdin, right? I did see Aladdin. Oh yeah, Minamasaud. Oh, that sucks. What? That uh, the lead actor hasn't gotten an audition since <laughs> that movie came out. That's, that's that's really bad. But it's not uncommon, and it sucks. I I do agree because it just highlights typecasting and things like that. Like. Dev Patel from Slumdog Millionaire, he he is he's still kind of like doing his best to get a few roles in. Like Line was a good shot for him again, and it proves like he is a solid actor, but he still tries to like get his foot in the door at times. So I'm not surprised that like half of the cast of Aladdin aren't really making any waves. But I was talking about the fact that the one white character, like the- <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Oh, so you talk about how these other guys are struggling to even just get a role in anything, and they're giving it to the goopy, whitest white guy in the movie. They're giving him a show. He gets the a show. Only, the only white guy in the movie. It's insane. 
That's insane. <laughs> I, 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 the scene stealer, and I've done that bit myself on stage, just coming to be like the craziest thing for like two minutes and just leave. Like I, I get it, but that's insane. Yeah, I was just like, I didn't even remember the guy. I've seen Aladdin, and I thought it was a okay movie. Okay, it was actually it was pretty good. I had low expectations though, um, but like I hardly even remember him until it was announced he was getting his own show. I'm like, oh, that guy, that guy, why, why, like just why? It it really. It's a problem. I That's think it's a black a guy. That is a definite black guy. Who made that decision? Yeah. Um, what else? Yeah, what else is there? Um, oh, uh, some trailers came out. Oh, yes. Um, where do I even start? Um, Bond. That looks pretty good. I agree. Okay, I didn't necessarily like the trailer, but I'm into the I'm into the movie. I want to see it. Um, what did you respond to the trailer poorly to? It's just its construction. It kind of just it didn't feel like it didn't feel. Con- I guess it, I guess it wasn't very conventional to me. And I have no problem with that, but it's just, like, it was really, like, it wasn't, like, it didn't really present itself as Daniel Craig's last Bond or the 25th Bond film. Like, it's, like, a celebration of Bond or something like that, even though that's, like, crazy. Um, But it wasn't, like, like, oh, is Bond Bond going to be really deep? It's going to be, it's going to be, like, a... It's going to be like, um, it's going to be dramatic or or something like that. And I was kind of like, oh, it's a trailer. Like, oh, okay. I'm going to see the movie. I'm very interested in seeing what happens, but oh, well, no problem with that. You gave a little bit of an idea, but like what overall were you expecting from it? Just for it to be a little more dramatic i was like i guess i'm really spoiled to um the two sam mendes movies i really liked how they looked and this movie doesn't look quite that good but that's really a tall order anyway well i don't know if it's the same cinematographer or not i think maybe that guy just continuously works with sam mendes and he took him to 1917 gary fukunaga though he is his stuff always looks amazing Okay. I got to be honest, like Maniac on uh, on uh, Netflix, as well as I think Beast of, Beast of No Nation, uh, both are striking. And then, of course, the first season of True Detective. The first season of True Detective is beautiful. Mm. Okay, I guess I just haven't seen much of him. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um... But I do not, I like... The, the thing about Skyfall is how striking it is. Like, right off the bat, even in the trailer, you're like, this this thing looks gorgeous. And Spectre is beautiful, but I also think Spectre is stupid and kind of boring. And some bonds can be that for sure. Uh, and I think Skyfall is stupid, but exciting and really fun to watch. 
Um, and I, Gary Fukunaga is a, he's a smart director, but he's also um, he's kind of urethral. He's not conventional at all. He's not necessarily like as weird as someone like Terrence Malick, where the camera's always moving. But he is he 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 doesn't go by the rhythms of a lot of other directors. He's not necessarily you don't watch his stuff and like sit back. You watch his stuff and pay attention. So I am going to be interested to see him make a fun action movie. But as as for it like being the last plot, I feel like that's what they were trying to do with the last movie. I think the last movie they were trying to do, this is Bond. They tied all the movies together. They brought in Blofeld. Like he, he gets a woman at the end of the movie. I think that was supposed to be his ending, but people didn't respond well to it. And they want him to go out with a bang. So I don't know if they're going to try and hit a middleman between Spectre and Skyfall or try to do something like Skyfall again where it's dumb but fun and it's hard it's hard to say but like I think it looks really good yeah um I'm looking forward to it I'm a I'm a sucker for good action um and um hoping for the best for Daniel Craig's last outing because I really like Daniel Craig's Bond um yeah I I I it's like Bond time right now. This is where they show a lot of Bonds and stuff, and you could like get them everywhere on streaming. I've watched a few, and like I, I remember how much I appreciated Goldeneye and Brosnan, and like Daniel Craig is great. He's got he's got what all the other Bonds have. He has like really bad ones, and he has really great ones. And I would love to see him just make. I I don't know what I'm expecting for the last one. I don't I don't want to be wowed, but I know I can be because the one thing I'm looking forward to more than anything outside of the Bond stuff, is this director. He it's he does so little, and I've waited so long for him to make something. And uh, Maniac was confusing but beautiful, and he got really good performances from people that I didn't think uh, could do that. And I, I'm really excited for, for him to make something that's supposed to be watched and enjoyed by everyone, that there's not some kind of weird barrier uh, right at the start. Because all of this stuff has a distance for the audience, and that prepares you somewhat to the weird nature of his work. But this is a Bond movie. He has to like hit the middle ground a, a lot more, and I'm, I'm really interested to see what he does. Mm. So yeah, speaking of Sam Mendes, 1917 trailer came out. Yeah. That looks really good. Oh, yeah, man. festival word is that it's a, a beautiful, great experience. Um, no one's like coming out of it like this. It, there's not a, a, a unanimous brilliance being said about it, but no one's really like against it. Everyone thinks it's a, an amazing movie, and it's. It, I certainly think it's going to be in the best picture race. I also think that uh, like people are talking talking about a marriage story, that those reviews are starting to come out, and the word is really good. Yeah, it's and out on Netflix now. I don't know if it's out. If it's out now, great. I'm going to try and catch it as soon as possible. But uh, I caught The Irishman, and The Irishman was... That movie was great. Um, I I understand some people's complaints about length or whether they thought it was boring or not, but... Uh, oh, thought... Okay, yeah. You, you've pretty much spoiled me to that argument of, like... Yes. You, you really have. Like, they're willing to binge through, like, an entire, like... 24 episode season of hour long episodes each but not a three hour movie like, <laughs> made I, by Martin Scorsese 
I love my sister. I respect her, and I respect a lot of the stuff she watches. She showed me some great stuff. This is the time of year where she just devours Hallmark romantic Christmas movies. They're all the same to, I'd say, about 60% of what they are. They're all set in Christmas. They're all romantic. They all store a lot of the same people. The stories hit a lot of the same beats, but basically she's she watches like two or three at a night. Like she's watching six to seven hours of these movies. Even when she's just not even watching them, she has them on. And she watched The Irishman. She goes, I liked it, but I thought it was slow. And I'm like, all right, I, 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 I thought my, I, I just couldn't believe it. <laughs> I, it like, she didn't necessarily say it's too long, which is really what my argument is about. She said it's slow. So if she doesn't respond to it and you're not responding to the stuff that much and there's three hours of it, I get it. But to be honest, I I, I think it's really captivating. Honestly, I don't think it's slow. I think once you get into the story, the pace is going, and then like all three main actors are acting, it's great. All of them are at like top speed. Pacino's great. De Niro's great. But Pesci is phenomenal pesci is fantastic i i i can't believe he hasn't acted that much in years like he was great um and then the last 30 minutes of the movie are like spectacular like they they're not showy they're not amazing it's not a lot of action it's not a lot of crime it just he there's a point about life and the choices you make and how it ends and where you go and like uh, it's so sad. It's just a. It's so sad, and I loved it. I I was like, oh my god, this is the perfect perfect way to end this movie. Just that this guy wasn't good. He did terrible things, and this is the result of what happens. You're just an old man by yourself in an old folks' home, afraid for the door to be shut. It's just so sad, and I loved it. Loved it. Um, that'll probably get a best picture nomination i would think that and marriage story are probably good chances for that along with 1917 um once upon a time in hollywood is still a good shot and there's a few I forgot that ones. came out this year i really did well a lot of, a lot more people are watching it now because it just became rentable and uh... you could own it but a lot more people are watching it and again i'm hearing the like it was slow and i'm like well yeah but it you just have to be in the mood for it if you don't know what you're getting into, I understand that. But I was talking to my mom about it, and we were, like, getting more into it. And she, the more we were talking about it, the more she was, like, getting into it again. And I, I, the strongest part is I'm like, well, it's also a very – it's a summer it's a summer movie. So for it to be, like, coming out again in winter, it, it, I think it hurts a little bit. It's all about mood. Like, I, I, I'm a big proponent of knowing what you're getting into with a movie. Mm-hmm. Just, like – if you know you're going to watch something slow or if someone tells you it's a romance or it's a comedy to a certain extent, like having some idea of what you're going to watch does set expectations to possibly be broken. But at the same time, like I I just don't understand people who don't want to know anything. Hmm. Well, I'm about to shatter that because if we're doing an impromptu movie exchange, I watched frozen too. (laughs) <laughs> the complete opposite of the Irishman. <laughs> I don't know. Does anyone in Frozen Two call a, a group of men dumb motherfuckers just like at the top of their voice? Uh, <laughs> no. Explicit. That explicit. Also, sidetrack. Um, so I was going through because um, 
because YouTube is going through uh, the is uh, transitioning with this new uh, COPPA thing. I don't know if you've heard, but like, yeah, yeah. So there, so I had to go through all my all the old podcast episodes that are still on the YouTube channel. Hmm. Guess which one got the most amount of views? You will not get this. Sahara. A team. Three hundred and fifty-four plays. Interesting. You'd think it would be Last Jedi. Yeah. Um, I learned that a bot was spamming the comments in the Phantom Menace review. Um, we got some bots out there, nice. Yeah, we got a bot. We got some bots out there. Um, hopefully they didn't make the transition to uh, audio only format. Um, it's all my ones and zeros, man. Anyway, so I had to mark all of them as like, um. 18 plus just to make sure because you never know what comes I can you can never know what it comes out of Zach's mouth or any of our mouths actually I shouldn't single them out um terrible things anyway so Frozen 2 I'm leaning towards it was better than the first but not exactly by much Mm. um I don't think the story is better, but the characters very much are. I had, I'm, okay, full context, I'm writing a seven, I'm writing a review, right? (laughs) Because years ago when the first movie came out, I watched it and I wrote a very childish, jokey review. Um, And now I got to make a sequel because they did. Um, It's not as funny it's more of just like more of an adult's perspective of it but you're actually analyzing it i'm actually analyzing it so and i had an epiphany while i was writing it about elsa allow me to uh if you'll indulge me for a second alex that i may write down that i may share with you my epiphany um so, full full spoilers. I'm sure you don't give a crap. Um, like, so what happens is, like, Elsa hears a call from this melodic voice from somewhere. And it's causing a lot of nature to go crazy. Actually, there are four spirits of nature. Can you guess them? There's only four. Can you guess them? Earth, fire, wind, and potatoes. You got three out of four of those. Earth, fire, air, and water. This is not a tie-in to The Last Airbender. Um, Like potatoes, so I mean, just, you know. I mean, it wouldn't, if there was a tie-in, it wouldn't be potatoes, it would be lettuce. Um, Well, like Captain Planet, too. Like, it's not the first time any property has ever used the four elements. With our powers combined. <laughs> that does make so much sense. Oh my god. Okay, so it turns out that um she's gotta go into this forest and figure out what the heck's going on with all her with her powers. Um so she tames the uh all while this is happening. Anna's like following her everywhere. It's just like even in she's she's like battling the um 
the fire spirit, which turns out to be this little cute baby little lizard. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have a stroke in the middle of this episode, I swear. Um, so, essentially, what happens is they figure... I'm just going to skip ahead. So, her arc is basically... She's responsible for all this crap because she has powers and her parents died in search of the source of her powers. So, and there's this thing, right? And there's allegedly this missing link between the four spirits. Now you know where I'm going with this. After she tames the water spirit, and ru- which is a horse, which is a horse made of water, she Wait. rides across a dangerous sea to this island, sings a song, and, and figures out she is the missing link between the four elemental spirits, which is so <laughs> typical. <laughs> Chris, do you not see what that is? Like, the moment you just finished that sentence, I knew exactly where they stole that from. Do you know? No, where- no, no. That's not the epiphany. That's not the epiphany. Do you know what it is? It's Anakin. Fifth element. Oh! <laughs> that is totally fifth element. Oh my god. She's Uma Thurman. <laughs> no, no, no. It was it was um, uh, Mila Jovovich in the movie she was called Lily. Oh, oh I, Mila Jovovich. I'm sorry. I mixed the two up. I apologize. Oh, but yeah, she's uh, Mila Jovovich. Yeah, dude, totally. She's literally called the... It's literally called the fifth element. Yes! Why did I miss that? Yeah, right in front of your face. I just thought she was Aang. Anyway. Um, no, but I had this epiphany of her. Um, so... Hang on. Okay, so... She goes into the island. It turns out, okay, so they built this dam, right, in this mystical forest that's playing in the trailers. It's the source of magic, right? And the people there learn to manipulate the magic but do not possess this magic, which is strange. But their grandfather built a dam as a peace offering, and it wasn't working. And then there was a battle, and then the grandfather died. So the truth behind that is the grandfather was afraid of the magic, built the dam to choke the forest, and their father, their grandfather um, struck the leader of that forest, the people in that forest, uh, down in cold blood. Like, execution style. It's really striking ice statue that they made to convey that. Um... So the goal is to destroy the dam, but if they do that, it'll flood and destroy Arendelle. Um, but um, she goes too deep into this island that she figures out that she's the fifth element. <laughs> oh my god. Um, and she becomes an ice statue. So now it's now it's karma, karma. Karma, it's major karma. Right off the there's, bat. There's a movie that came out last year called Annihilation where these people have to go into this like forest that's been like it's been some kind of dimension or alien thing is going on. Oh my on. gosh, did they, they rip? Just like they, different movies? When they go in, they can't like they get seduced by the place and then when they get 
murdered, they basically get they get turned into plants. The plants take them over and they stay in one spot and people die standing, turning into plants. They just ripped, like, so many different movies. Um, so... Sounds like Okay, so... Um... But she did this alone, and she wasn't alone when she started doing this. She pushed away Anna and Olaf, like, in a ice raft down a hill and they ended up in a dark cave <coughs> together trying to look for a way out well elsa goes and figures this stuff out right and so then of course she dies and then blah, blah, blah. She, okay she she's effectively dead right um so anna is all alone now because if Elsa dies, that means Olaf dies. And he literally died as if he got snapped away by Thanos. Literally. Before you even said it, I knew that's exactly what you were going to say. Because that was the most effective moment. Everyone kept talking about Spider-Man. <laughs> it's like, Anna, I don't feel so good. Though <laughs> um, no, he took it better than Spider-Man. Um, not tied to the MCU. I wish it was. Um, so... And the best character moment I've seen in a Disney princess film since maybe Mulan. Anna's alone in this cave. And she's like, she's lost everything. Kristoff's disappeared to set up this proposal because his whole arc in the movie is to propose to Anna. That's it. Full stop. Um, even made a song about it. But here, here goes. <laughs> even Weezer made a version of it in the end credits. It's great. Um, so she's, huh. so Anna's alone in the cave. She's got nobody. It's all on her own. And she has to will herself out of this cave and destroy the dam and sacrifice Arendelle. Of course, Arendelle doesn't get destroyed. Once the dam was broken, Elsa thawed out. She stopped the flood from destroying Arendelle. Everybody's happy. Even Kristoff freaking proposed, and she said yes. Epiphany number one. I relate to Elsa far more than I really should. And that's, I think, scary. <laughs> so, let me explain. Um, after actually, this is verbatim what I wrote down. After actually paying attention to Let It Go, the song, I, re I relate to Elsa more than I'm comfortable with. That's what I was trying to say. I think in a weird, twisted way, she's so real to me it hurts. The way she pushes people away because there's something about her that she's afraid she'll be rejected for for it, and the rift be and the rift it creates between her and said people. So she soldiers that burden on her own in search of her place in all of this. Good Lord, I just had a real moment with Elsa. I was about to harp on her decision-making throughout this film of constantly wanting to do things herself and pushing Anna away again until I had just realized that isn't a flaw on the movie's part. It's intentional. Elsa is her own worst enemy. She decided to tackle her issues by herself with no support or direction, and after discovering how special she really is, paid the price for it right up until Anna freed her by destroying the dam. <coughs> for as long as she lives... Anna will never fully understand just how special and loved she truly is. 
with a character this powerful and perfect, her flaws have to come from within, and not, like nothing external is going to affect. It's going to affect this woman. Like, I had a real moment with a Disney princess. Like, I didn't think that would happen after Moana. I was like, Clements and Musker know what they're doing. I'll just trust them. I didn't think like Frozen would have like anything to do with that. So that's. Epiphany number one, Elsa is a better character I gave her credit than I gave her credit for. Um awesome, man. That's uh, really awesome. Second point, second epiphany. This movie is not for me, and I'm okay with that now. Let me explain. So because of how the third act goes down, of how it leads up to Anna being alone. It's well, the third act starts with Anna being alone in that dark cave. I thought, okay, this is okay. Elsa's effectively dead. Olaf's dead. Kristoff's gone. But I knew he was coming back because of the way he disappeared. But the one ending, they were dancing around a really bold ending. And the ending that I had in mind, and I think pretty much everybody else had, was. The dam gets destroyed. Arendelle is destroyed by the flood. The people relocate to the forest because everybody made it out. It's fine. Because the reason they had to evacuate Arendelle was because the spirits, the, the, they turned off the water. They turned off the heat. The streets were becoming back massagers. And there were, the wind was, the wind was worse than Chicago. Um, So what I thought they were going to do is Arendelle is destroyed by the dam being by the flood from the the dam being destroyed. The people relocate to the forest. Anna reluctantly becomes queen in Elsa's stead. And Kristoff never gets the chance to propose until the next movie. It's a bold ending for its audience. And that's exactly why they did do it. It's not appropriate for its audience. And you know what? I'm okay with that because and here's the point I made this alternative ending is more in line with a generally more mature franchise like Star Wars or Marvel or maybe even DC or maybe or like just some or like something like that. I don't even I don't think even Pixar is capable of an ending like that, no matter the context or movie or even Incredibles, like we're going to review tonight. Um, like you won't see I a thing. Yes, I agree with you. I think um, I, I don't think Pixar is necessarily in in the game of. Uh, I guess baiting, sequel baiting, and a good example of that would be Toy Story Four. Yeah. Um, you won't see a Thanos snap twist in a Disney princess movie, and honestly, I understand it. It's a princess movie aimed at kids ten and under. It's true that us adults would mostly appreciate and admire such an ending, but I don't think that the target audience here is ready for something that dark just yet. The Thanos snap is different in that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is not exactly for kids, but kudos to the judger who managed to swallow that pill. Because even I had a hard time coming to terms with that, um, as is documented. Well, you also even, have to keep in mind that it's just apparent that Marvel is mostly focused towards teenage boys, and Frozen is mostly focused towards teenage girls. And these people grow up and they still enjoy these properties as they grow up, taking more and more things out of them as they grow up. 
it makes sense to me that Frozen would be more about character than it would be about uh, plotting. Right. Um, I made a point about how, like, Star Wars, like, with Empire Strikes Back or Last Jedi or even Rogue One are different, and that although Star Wars as a whole was aimed at coming-of-age teens, it doesn't shy away from their darker ideas because George Lucas thought, we should be teaching our kids to deal with this crap. Because it's real. Because they're coming of age. Um, but, like, I guess this I guess this is a different approach in that maybe it's, like, younger than teenage... Their intended audience is for, like, younger than teenage... Uh, younger for, a teenage, for the teenage audience. Yeah. And, like... And honestly, that's okay with me, because like, like you said, it's like they're more about character than actual plotting, than actually like telling a long term, long long term story, like like Marvel or Star Wars. So I actually learned a lesson of like know your audience from Frozen Two, and that's crazy. That's also crazy to me. Like that, like. I can't believe I wrote that first review thinking, oh, it's just for kids. I don't watch this crap. I watch Star Wars, and there's no Star Wars out right now. Or I'm watching Marvel. It's like, oh, it's just for... That Disney crap is just for kids. I'm like, I am so stupid, and I'm glad I realized this now. Like... I'm I'm happy, too, man, because, like, that's the sort of stuff that I was hoping the more and more we talk about stuff on this podcasts like the more and more movies we talk about together the more and more stuff like that you see and it's not just necessarily my influence i just think that comes with watching more movies in general you start to see those things you, they start to make sense you start to understand what audiences want what and how you can as a person who wants to make a story or a movie um put in uh theories and ideas and uh, themes and things that adults see but kids don't and kids will when they get older and for me, that was um, Inside Out. Inside Out, like, wrecks me. Inside Out blows me away. Like, that's a goofy, fun little movie where, like, it, like imaginary characters go around and, like, try to solve happiness and sadness the way, you know, you can black and white. And it's just goofy, and I get that. But, like, at the end of the day, the only stakes of that movie is the happiness of a little girl. And I've never related more to any Pixar character than that little girl. Just her journey in that movie defines a lot of my adolescence. And it just, like, I, I, that movie just rocks me. I, I think, I don't know if it's the best Pixar, but I certainly think it's the most effective and the most emotionally impactful. And if I had a choice to show my kids anything, that's, that would be the first one. There's other ones I'd pick for other reasons, but, like, at the end of the day, if I had to pick one to show them all their lives that I would want them to really stick by and appreciate, it would be that one. And there's probably a Pixar movie like that for everyone. It's probably a Disney movie like that for everyone. But I, I, I think that Elsa thing, too, that you came to realize is pretty awesome, too. That's the kind of thing I wish people would understand when it comes to Luke and Last Jedi. That, like, that his journey getting from the last movie to where he starts in that one, like, it makes sense character-wise. Like, it, they're not bad decisions for a character. They're just a character making bad decisions. 
and that is meant to enhance and make the story interesting if you can't get past that i understand that that happens but like you saw that in this and that's that's impressive like you you didn't think that would ever happen with a disney princess movie but like at the end of the day like they they've been maturing more and more throughout the years and it's yeah I, I like frozen is one of the most interesting endings and people have been pointing that out my big thing that i was going to say about it is that i've never fully seen frozen i've never sat down and watched frozen beginning to end i've seen chunks of it but i've never watched it fully to end and like now it's just kind of like a sick joke in my head of like how long can i go without actually ever seeing this and i'm at the point <laughs> Like I one day I will watch it. Like I, it'll probably be this winter, to be honest, because I'm looking for new winter movies. But like that, it's just funny to me because it's the kind of movie now where people are like, uh, "Spoilers for Frozen!" Like a, this this many year. Like if you haven't seen Frozen, you've been in a cave for years. Like I'm that guy. Like that to me is really funny. But um, I I always understood that ending to be a game changer for how princess movies uh, and fairy tale movies can go. And I am. I don't think they necessarily needed to do that the second time around, but they certainly need to be consistent with the idea of, of defining and putting defining a character and putting them through arcs that um, are worthwhile, that are, are engaging, that it makes sense at the end of the day when you think about them. You can get a lot of a lot of leeway through if at the end of the day the character actually changes from what they go through, and. Um, it also sounds like she's a much more mature version of a character um, like her in other movies. Like, yeah. the, the, to me, Frozen's like whole, they're late. I think this movie's really late. It was always going to make a billion dollars. And there's a lot of people that are going to say it's not better than the first. And I cannot say whether it is or not. But... I honestly think I'm, after the epiphany I had writing the review, I think I may be able to say that. Well, dude, I think John Wick 2 is better than John Wick 1. Like, there are some people that think sequels are better than the originals, and I get it. Like, I think those are these are two prime examples of how that, like, they're close calls, you know. Um, but I, but based off of those two things that you wrote, um, good on you, dude. You are, you are doing the kind of thinking I wish everyday ordinary people did about movies. You would get better <laughs> Um, and this is the whole point of art in general, just discussing it, just talking about it. it that, that makes you more aware when you're watching it, and, and you get enjoyment out of the things that you're noticing and watching. Like, it's just, that, that's, that's my favorite thing about, like, not having gone to film school or not going to film school and having, like, YouTube reviews and analysis and education on there for sure. Like, I can goggle, gobble this up on my own time, but um, all I have to do is just see more movies, really. Also, this happened with the business with the with the Disney princess movie that I like the least. You know, mm. like I didn't think I'd have this level of like appreciation with mm. Frozen. I did not expect that to happen, but I'm glad I did. Good man, Good for you. Otherwise, I me personally, a 23 year old man, I thought it was all right. Well, that's who they made it for. That's a 23-year-old men, yeah, um, on the internet. Um, yep. Okay, is there anything else? Oh, okay. Um, small thing before we get started with Incredibles. It's split and spent. I'm going to have a stroke. 
and spin this bloody wheel. I started a Fox show. I'm leaving it. I'm in the absence of Zach. I am going to let you guess. Pronoun what game. What? Pronoun game. Pronoun game. Yes. In the absence of Zach, in honor of Zach, I'm gonna I'm gonna have you guess which show I've started. Go. It's a Fox show. That's okay. I, I will give you that much, unless you want more. Please, they've been around a while. It starts... Okay. It was a hit Fox show with a very interesting main character that kind of sort of... The show kind of slowed down and died somewhat of a death. It sounds like you're talking about a house. It's not house. That's what happened to house. I watched that finale. I was like, really? Why do you have to fake his death? It's weird. It's a doctor drama, for God's sake. Um, Wow. That's how that ended? Holy crap. Yeah, that's how it ended. No. So, the guy... Okay, this is how house ended, as a brief aside. The guy... Spoiler alert. So, the guy who's his assistant, you know, who's kind of like his own doctor in a way like yeah. he gets cancer and ha- and by the last season has six months to live house gets caught in like a burning building i guess and is like like the last episode is just like recapping him confronting his issues really and he fakes his death in that i guess it was easy for him to do he's in a burning building there's evidence he did not survive, but he escaped and went with the doctor and said, I have, okay, you have six months to live. How are we going to spend it? And then they just ride off into the sunset on motorcycles. Wow. How do I remember that? It's not even the show I'm watching. Dude, I didn't even hear people talk about that. It was, it that ended. Wow. That's how it ended. They rode off into the sunset on motorcycles. Hey, Hugh Laurie's got a new space show, so let's hope that's good. I guess so. All right. I'll give let, you one let, more. Let me, let me 20 question you a little bit this way. Just, okay, uh, all right. I'll keep it a little bit simple. So it's Fox show. Yep. It was a hit. Mm-hmm. It had a main character, and uh, the main character was a thing. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's not a, like an ensemble show. It's mostly about a main character. And uh, it... it um, it dwindled. It just sort of died. Yeah, uh, as as um as its genre kind of evolved, it didn't really have a place in its evolution, and it and at the time, I think it kind of got forgotten about. Just a kind of got sidetracked for another huge character of its time in its genre, but in movie form. Oh. I know that. Kind of doesn't help, but that's all I got without giving it away. I, I almost wonder if Constantine was on Fox, but I'm pretty sure it was on NBC. Mm, yeah, it was on NBC. Uh, okay, so was it a comedy? No. Okay, it well, a... it's comically crazy. It's Is it science fiction? No. No. No, it's not. 
and it was live action? Yes. Was it on within the last five years? On. Um, I think so. I hang on. Let me let me just make sure. Hold on. Are you watching Twenty Four? <laughs> yes, I'm watching Twenty Four. I started Twenty Four. <laughs> oh man! So what happened was I started watching clips online. Uh, or it like Jack Bauer came across my feed, and I've never been the same since. Um, <laughs> and so holy shit! <laughs> so, so fun. So. So I'm like, oh, this seems like a really, this seems like a really interesting show. I might start this. And I'm like, oh, okay, this gets crazy. Okay, so I know, so I know certain like parts of what happened during each season, but I don't know how it all ties together. So that's why I started 24. I kind of want to see how this plays out. And right now I'm nearing the end of season one. Okay. Okay. (laughs) You seem pretty shocked by this. No, well, not that no, I'm not really shocked by it. I do think it's funny. I just haven't heard anyone talk about 24 in a long time. Yeah, uh, but since Live Another Day or Legacy. Um, and uh, no, that response was to the end of season one. Really? Yeah. It yeah, was a I... hit, man. It was a huge hit. That first season was a huge hit. You don't walk away being a huge hit without making some noise. Yeah. And like. It's just like Jack Bauer is like a character I've like never like seen before. Really? It's just like I think he I think I would have discovered him sooner. Um I would have discovered him sooner. <laughs> oh dad. Um I think I would have discovered 24 sooner if it wasn't for Jason Bourne. It's tough to say. Because, like, those came, around, those came out around the same time, and everybody was hyping up Bourne to be, the ne- be, like, the next Bond. We all know how that ended up. Bond's still here. Bourne is definitely dead. Um, Bourne, Bond was inspired by Bourne, and Bourne was always boring. I stand by that. Like, the Bourne Identity is a good movie, and Bourne Ultimatum is a better movie. But the whole, like, story of those movies, the whole universe, it's just basically, like, he was an assassin, he forgot about it, and his old company either wants to kill him or, like, find him. And every movie is the same fucking thing. Like, just leave him alone. Just leave Bourne alone. He just wants to sit at home and eat ice cream and watch movies, but you keep killing his girlfriends and messing with his life. Just leave him alone. I'm pretty sure that's exactly how Jack Bauer is, too. Nah, Jack Bauer is a Jack Bauer is an agent. He is he works. He it's his job to get into scrapes like this. He just also is kind of I don't want to go into it, man. Like they, like you got some watching to do. So regardless, like the no, whole I know how thi- I know like major plot points. You're not spoiling anything major for me. It's just I just want to see how it all ties together. Honestly, it, it's just like like you like. Jack Bauer and Jason Bourne, Bourne more aesthetically and Bauer more content-wise, are responses to a post-9-11 world. 
I totally were, believe that. I totally like, believe that. Yeah, like once 9-11 happened, we were shot. We didn't want silly, stupid stuff. That's why X-Men is like grounded and looks like a TV show. Like that's why Spider-Man was so like, that's even still kind of a more grounded superhero movie than we have these days. It's still goofy looking aesthetically, but it's also pleasing to look at and it's nice. But like that's that stuff ended around 2003 and 2004 or was it 2006, I think. But like that ended like when we were still in the midst of things and action movies were like they were straightening up. We were way we were we're gone from the 80s stupidness and silliness and like muscular men. And we're gone from 90s spectacle. It's now about personal, like, shaky cam. It's about when a building goes down, you see the dust and you're trapped inside. Like, we now know what it looks like when a building collapses in a major city. Our, our, our imaginations have been dosed with reality. So that's how movies were going that way. And Jack Bauer was a guy who was, like, literally fighting for the, the safety of America. So it didn't matter if he tortured anyone or stuff like that. So like by the end of the show, things got really questionable about what he was doing, what the politics of the show actually was. But Jack Bauer himself is like, he is an extension of, he has the attitude and the gumption and the drive of a nineties action hero, but the political like screen or through the political prism of a post nine 11 world, things aren't happy and pleasant anymore. They are screwed up, messed up, and we're all scared of anyone that isn't American. So, like, Jack Bauer is our hero. And that's how that kind of went. Outside of that, one of the best things about the show is just it's incredibly tightly edited and well-written. And, like, it keeps you on the edge of your seat. Yes. I also think, like, the first season, as I'm watching it, just seems really experimental to me. Like... And I appreciate that. It's like they're trying different things, even if this is like the first season of a, of a show and you don't know if it's going to work out very well. So you're and they're trying different things like they change the intro events occur in real time. That's never been done before, as far as I know. And. Ooh, whoops. Um, and. Like, I just in this first season, like, and plus this this season is like this first season is bonkers it's just bonkers with yeah. like like to think that jack power's path started when his daughter ran his daughter like escaped through the window like that's how this started yep. like it's crazy you're in it immediately i am in it it was just like and plus Kiefer sutherland oh my goodness that guy whoo that that guy can act like the whole, like the whole scene in the limo. Where he's like, you ever heard of the Russian Gulag? I'm like, this is great. Keeper like, Sutherland is a clinic. Oh um, yeah, man. A few good men, Lost Boys. Keeper Sutherland's the best. Wait, wasn't he in? Um... Correct me if I'm wrong. Was he in Fifth Element too? No. Oh, okay, because there was a thumbnail of him on YouTube, like in a, like a Watch Mojo video, like top 10 Kiefer Sutherland performances. And, I, and there was a character that he played, and he looked like somebody out of Fifth Element, but it's probably Lost Boys. Yeah, did he have a blonde hair? He had blonde hair and a pink eye. Lost Boys. Lost Boys, okay. 
good to know. Um, but yeah, I started. Zach's gonna be mad at me that I started twenty four before Lost. <laughs> yeah, probably. I think It'll Lost. I I think twenty four is more thrilling, but ultimately, um, not necessarily as satisfying as Lost is. If you oh, care definitely about people, not. If you care about the people in Lost, then I think you get something out of it. If you don't, and you're only there for like mysteries and stuff, you are not going to be satisfied. Oh, oh God, I. I, I have heard stories of the of the ending of Lost. It's, yeah. But, like, 24, it's just, it wears its heart on its sleeve. It knows exactly what it is. It tells you what it is. And you accept it willingly or not. Either you're done with it or you're not. And the whole, all of America just at one point was like, we're done. Yeah. Um, yeah, when Live Another Day came out, I heard that was, like, that wasn't as good, I guess. But, um, yeah. So, 24, I'm liking it. I'm almost done with season one. I heard season five was the best. I have a long ways to go. Um, but, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, what else was there? Um, I, uh, I showed you a video game today. Oh my god, you really want to talk about that? Okay, only, so... Only for a second, like, you can get off your chest what you want, but I I, it may, I want to talk about some movies that I watched, and one of them ties into this. This? Okay, so for people who don't know, and you should, because it's trending on Twitter. It... Listen, 6.30. I think. No. Um, at around, like, 4 o'clock, I fell asleep to take a nap after work, right? Mm-hmm. I wake up at 6.30 with a message from Alex. It says, dude, and a link. I click on I click on the message and it's like like, New Testament video game puts you in this perspective of Jesus. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. Mm-hmm. I get that Video games are probably maybe the future of visual storytelling after streaming, but that's not for like years to come. This is egregious. Mm-hmm. In a twisted way, I appreciate it because it's a different way of telling that story. But oh my god, it looks cheap. It's probably fake. I know it's real. It's real. Oh my god. Literally. It's it's coming. It's coming to Steam. Yeah. I I'm tempted to get it out of morbid curiosity, but I don't want to do that to my computer. Did you watch the video? I did. Uh, what what made me try and decide whether or not it was real or fake was the very last image. It's set when it shows you the credits and then it cuts to the um, you uh, as Jesus with white hands um, using your powers to move the door of your of the cave that you're resurrecting from. But they I do just... it as if they do it as if it's like the um, entrance of Superman to coming back to life in Justice League. It was like I'm like, oh. And th- once I saw that, I'm like, either this is a joke or it's serious. And in that moment, I'm like, this feels earnest. No, 
Okay, so like, I just like how every miracle Jesus does is just a simple two hand gesture. <laughs> yeah, no spells, no Doctor Strange stuff. He just puts his hand out. Why? 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 Why are people of my faith so clueless? Dude, he's on the you I see him on the cross. You get to be Jesus on the cross looking at the two other guys and like looking down. Like it's I I can't believe it, honestly. So Okay, um, so the reason I brought this up. Okay, is, please, because I'm about to chew out my dad. It's to talk about um, products of faith. Products of faith and entertainment. So um, I, uh, you, you like Passion of the, of the Christ, right? I think it's... I think it's well-made. Like... Um, I think it's well, like I think it's well made. Though I see where you're coming from with the whole Mel Gibson perspective. Um, I just think I think it's better made than the much cleaner garbage that's out there. It. it well, then I guess I, I mean, as a side question to that, would be you don't mind having an incredibly disgustingly violent movie over a boring clean one it's not that it's boring it's just that it's like i don't think it's like well okay a part of it is they're boring and cliche but like they're just not very well made like they're not interesting to look at or anything like that at least like with Fan of the christ and the outside perspective it's like morbid curiosity or just you're like a masochist or watching this like see what's going on or something like that. Or maybe wow. I really don't know. But that's an interesting point, though. Well, here, the, the, okay, so I'm bringing this up because there is a very, very, very famous silent film called The Passion of Joan of Arc. It's on the top of, like, a bunch of film institutes' greatest movies of all time. Like, all-timer, you need to see this before you die if you're a cinephile kind of movie. It's a Citizen Kane of the silent world. When it came out, people knew it was a masterpiece. And I always looked at, like, I had only seen, like, still images of it and stuff and seen, like, a few bits and pieces. And the only bits and pieces I had seen, uh, the camera isn't moving. It's very still. The sets are damn near barren. And there's a lot of close-ups. And the main actress playing Joan of Arc uh, is really, really performing. She's, like, going for it. And it's powerful. It's a really good performance. So I thought this was a movie that was just like mostly still camera sitting around um, and it's mostly focusing on how great this performance is with a few close-ups. And I had a chance to watch it uh, and I turned it on and I was not prepared for how disorienting and um, uh, like vibrant this movie was. It, It it really puts you in the place of her in the trial. Like it's very, very quickly. I was like, Oh my God, I feel like I'm on trial with her. Like I, I, all these faces look the same. Nobody looks nice. This is a complete political court case to just, you know, 
ram me into the ground. And that's very, pretty much it is. It's it's the court case of Joan of Arc, her torture, and then her death. And then I was like, oh my God, the passion of Joan of Arc, passion of Christ. Like Mel Gibson was specifically making references to this, as well as the passion play that has been going on through churches for years, as well as the original passion play, which was specifically about his crucifixion and meant to like stir up anti-Semitism in countries. It's the passion <laughs> oh play. I'm passion play has a very torrid uh, history. Um, but obviously, Mel Gibson was making a point about this movie because they both are pretty much persons on trial person gets tortured person gets murdered and i as i'm watching this all it is is just a girl a 19 year old girl who wants freedom for her country and truly honest to god believes that god spoke to her and wants her to do this she believes it and regardless of whether you think she's insane or not she believes it and this whole movie is about all these like english people trying to force her to admit that that's not true so that like her, the people won't have faith in her and then France will lose power and England can stay in there. And it's just, it, it was really shocking to me how energetic this movie was, how like um, paranoid it was, how just like, it was frantic. I, and I couldn't believe for like a 1928 movie that this was the case. It also was, in my opinion, one of the best examples of a Christian-based movie. A movie that you're trying to posit the same idea that passion of the Christ is or that all these other movies are with like the wrong they, they have the wrong angles like she was a woman who just believed in something and this corrupt system was just the circus was only there to burn her at the stake and it's it's terribly sad because it's not there to say that God is right and like you know you're wrong for being believing whatever you do because the whole point of it is just belief enough a belief enough should be all you need and she does she she like believes that god is with her and she that he's there when she dies and she's totally has faith in god when she does and it's one of the most powerful moments because it takes all the other english guys that are just trying to like embarrass her for france and it just shoves it right in their faces and it's great it, it's you don't need to believe in god to understand that her faith is more powerful than anything that you could ever present to her. At 19 years old, she has more conviction in her life than I've ever had for picking a meal at lunch. Like, she just is there. She will die for it, doesn't give a shit. And I loved it. Like, I, that to me was a prime example of a really good faith-based movie. And a way better than just watching Jesus get whipped a bunch. I was like, okay, yeah, no, this makes sense. No, I liked, I, I really, really liked it. And I would suggest if you ever want to check out silent movies, that that is a very good one. It's not only a well-made movie that's captivating with a really good performance in it and just interesting camera angles. It, it's a really powerful show about a young woman who just believes in God on her own terms and doesn't need to be told any other way how to do it. She knows what's right. She knows what's wrong. And she truly believes that God is on her side. It's awesome. It's also terribly sad because, you know, they burn her at the stake. Do they show that explicit detail? Hell yes, dude. They burn her at oh the stake. Oh my god. They burn her at the stake and for like, not only that, when they burn her at the stake, you'd see lo like it cuts between her body just burning, just like falling on the ground and burning, and then all the French people there watching in England 
uh, riot. And there's a huge riot afterwards. Mm. So it has the same amount of violence as Passion of the Christ, but it's like it's there for a reason. Mm. It was great. I really loved it. Okay, that's nice. Um, I also I will put that that on the list. Go ahead. I was just saying I also saw Paris, Texas, and that was wonderful. I'm trying to catch as many movies I've always wanted to see and haven't seen uh, by the end of the month because I don't know. I just feel like it. Okay. Um, all right. Just feel like it. I wasn't wasn't saying anything. All right. Um, all right. So, oh boy. Um, so, no, no, I feel like, I feel like I'm going into this the wrong way. Okay. The, we spun the wheel of good, the good wheel. And we landed on Pixar's The Incredibles. We did. And we are going to review that. We are. That's that's why we are here. Um, So. This movie. Aged. Wonderfully. Okay. Like. Fine wine. Hmm. Like, I was like, I'm like, I'm watching this movie, right? And I'm like, this movie looks almost just as good as anything that's come out recently. And this came out 15 years ago. I don't know if I agree, but I do think it looks good still. Yeah. What I'm saying is, it holds up. Oh, it holds up, yeah, but, like, I, this, there's always been things when it comes to The Incredibles that I've been a little bit nitpicky at, even when it came out. Like, when the hair's wet, when they're in the ocean, just stuff like that is a little, like, I, I don't know. I don't, there's some things about this that, like, I look at it and I'm still, like, yeah, 2004, yeah, okay. I mean, but that was also one of the, like, what I was thinking about when we discussed this, we've already talked about Brad Bird a bit, and the story about him, like, Pixar really courted him for a long time, and it wasn't until like five, like Warner Brothers screwed him on Iron Giant that he was like, okay, I'll go work, work with you guys. And he'd already been sitting on the idea of this superhero family thing for about 10 years already, and it took a, a, a long time for him to make this. But what I find really interesting is this is the, I believe, sixth Pixar movie at this time, and... Yes, I do think when you compare it to the other ones up to this point, it's certainly a leap in detail. It's certainly the action is holds up and is still incredible looking. Um, I I I was going to ask you like up to this point, what was this your favorite Pixar movie up to the point that they had made these, or do you think that there's another one that holds up more? I think, yeah. Wait, what were the five that came up before this? It was like. It was uh, Toy, Toy Story, Bugs Life, Monsters Inc., um, Finding Nemo, and one more. I may be wrong, and this may be the fifth, but there's, I think I'm missing one more. 
Yes, up until this point, out of those, out of that lot, Incredibles was my favorite. I think it was my door into Pixar, honestly. Monster Zeke reference. Because I watched Monsters Inc. and I didn't really respond to it as a kid. Whereas, like, um, Toy Story Two, that was the other one. Ah, um, I watched the first Toy Story also, and I'm like. As a kid, I'm like, not feeling this. I don't know why, but it's not holding my attention. I, I was a kid. I guess I have to go back and watch those. Because if I can respond to Frozen the way I did, I can certainly respond to Toy Story maybe better as an adult. Um, I think Toy Story is the best Pixar franchise. After seeing the fourth one, I was like, oh, God, yeah. Best franchise out of Pixar, for sure. Um, but yeah, it was either... So when this first came out, it was either this, where our family had a choice of seeing a movie theater. It was either this or the first National Treasure. <laughs> I argued incessantly for Incredibles. But my mom's like, nope, it's my birthday. <laughs> Nick Cage, man. He's charming. <laughs> Nicholas Cage. She, that's her genre. That's her genre of like mystery. That's why I'm trying to take her to see Knives Out. Um, okay, fair enough. Because she's into that stuff. Um, gosh, I can't. The amount of times she binge watched Murder She Wrote back then, and maybe still does now, is incredible. Um, just have surgeons, right? Um, but yeah, this movie when it first came out was just like I want to see this so bad because this is my this is my this is my jam. And I did. I'm like, this is highly entertaining, and I'm glad I watched it. Um, and n now it's like, it is. The Incredibles is the best Fantastic Four movie that has ever come out, period. It really is. I accept no argument. I mean, yeah. It's pretty much the Fantastic Four. Yeah. A much better version of the Fantastic Four without explicitly being the Fantastic Four. Yeah, and I don't even necessarily see why half of the Fantastic Four are family. So I, I, I actually know, like more than that, technically family in law. So I don't know what's up. I, I don't know why other Fantastic Four movies don't seem to understand what this movie does, and I, I think a lot of it has to do with how the how the the structure, the narrative shifts from Mr. Incredible's perspective to um, Elastigirl and then the family all together as a unit. So there's, it's not, you're not really following one person. The film slowly becomes the Incredibles. And then the entire third act, the family as a unit saves the day. And it really works pretty well, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as I was like, I think this movie really holds up. In terms of animation of things moving. And like. I do. Like, the thing is like. The thing that holds me back from saying like it's like. like It looks as good as like. The color doesn't really work that well. Or it's not as vibrant. As it's sequel. Is like 15 years later. Nor are. Nor is the city really like fleshed out. Nor is like the backgrounds. Or are things happening around. Like. No, none, 
none of that really feels like fleshed out. And yeah, there's not a, there's not a lot of animals in life on the island. It's pretty barren. Right. Also, the city and just like everything just looks generic. Otherwise, in the sequel, they learned from that. They added more color, and they added more backgrounds and all that stuff. And yeah. Also, this movie moves very quickly. Like, when I actually, like, I don't think I've ever, like, sat down. Now that I remember, I don't think I've actually, like, sat down and focused on this movie. And I'm, like, I'm sitting here thinking as I'm watching, I'm, like, I was not prepared for how fast this movie moves. Because this movie just goes. For an hour and 55 minutes, it just, it's just one beat to the next. It just keeps going. It's, like, it's almost, there's almost... Never a dull moment. You know yeah, what I'm saying? It's pretty, it's pretty tight. Yeah. It's like I feel like the movie only like slows down when he fakes his death. Right? Mr. Incredible fakes his death. How coincidental. Um that we were talking about a movie. <laughs> um or he, he, he uh, manages to fake his death, and right up until he gets caught. I guess that whole sequence of when he fakes his death to he to when the kids are discovered on the island, like that whole section is probably the slowest, and it never feels that way. Like, like See, this movie, I, this movie I, is incredibly paced. I think. I think this movie's incredibly paced. Uh-oh. Dude, I, I don't know if you're not talking or I think I lost you. Come back to me. And we're back. Sorry about that. Um, Alex, Alex's phone could not take anymore, so we... So... Take the heat, man. Um, right. So we were talking about pacing. <laughs> yeah, so I, I honestly think that the slowest part of the movie is, what, is is when he goes to the island and he meets Mirage and he fights the robot for the first time. And then it's like the montage of him getting the car and getting rich and stuff. I actually find the – I think Holly Hunter is the best part of this movie. I think, I think mm. Miss Incredible is like – I think she's great. I, I, I love when she is in the plane with the kids and she's like yelling at the daughter to like make a force field and then they have to like get out. She, she, the decisions that she makes are so smart and so quick. It's, it, it, it's awesome. It, it, it makes me much more happy that she is the main person driving the action in the second movie because it, it makes sense. Like she is a superhero on her own terms and it's perfect. Yeah. Um, so yeah when she's with the kids and they're going to the island i I love that stuff because then like they're becoming the incredibles they have the outfits they're becoming a team like that that makes more sense when he's just off doing his own thing on the island and earning money and lying to his family i i feel like that's the slowest part of the movie Uh. yeah it's the whole uh 
it was really like weird watching Mr. Incredible be the main character. It's just like of just how far he goes to relive his past. It's, it's just really weird. Honestly. Yeah. Straight up midlife crisis. That like and I thought like like God bless God bless his soul, Toby Mac. I thought he had a worse midlife crisis cuz he's still dressing like that uh, i at like 60 years old for god's sake oh wow but i give him grace because like yeah he's going through some stuff right now anyway um no, no other fictional character will have the best midlife crisis or the most entertaining than breaking bad breaking bad is the best midlife crisis ever Literally, like it all, it, the whole show leads to him, like becoming a kingpin, destroying everyone he knows' lives, killing his friends, like his his assistant that he's known since the beginning is now a slave in chains, forced to cook meth, and he looks at his wife at the very end, and it's not like he looked at her and said, "I did this so that I could have money for the family after I died from cancer." No, he looks at her, he goes, "I did it because I liked it. I was good at it." And it's like, yeah, dude, like that's that's it. That's a midlife crisis. You did it because you were good at it and you didn't care who whose life you ruined in the process. You didn't care what moral boundary you crossed like that. You just went ahead and bought your shiny red convertible. And like. And I, I like how they um, oh, Brad Bird, like. Angles this where it's like it's not. Anything he, everything he does in this movie isn't like the decision to do that after he put his family in jeopardy by saving those people in the building. It's just like, okay, dude, they happened. Like, Elastigirl, like, Elastigirl really posed the argument. It's like, listen, it happened. We have to move on. Your family is happen happening now. And he just can't do that, so he goes off and does and does does this. Uh, yeah, I'm losing my mind here. Twelve days until Star Wars. Okay, so he goes off and does this, and you're like, okay, he really shouldn't be doing this. But look at the result. He's his home life is better. He has a better relationship with his wife and with his kids. And it's and it's like, okay, and then it all falls apart when he really when he gets the new suit. It's like it, no, it falls apart until hell and when he goes when Edna, I guess snitches on him. And it's like, okay, yeah, you probably shouldn't have done this because then the kids start away on the plane. Because Edna made the suits for everybody because he can't help himself. So going to Edna in the first place was a mistake. There's a um, really good YouTube video that points out how the the moment where he realizes that all of his superhero friends have been murdered by this company he works for is also at the same moment that uh, his wife realizes that he's been lying. And it, it, they cross cut between each other until that very moment where he is attacked by the balls. And that is the same moment where both of their stories come together. They've been separate stories until that moment. 
Now she's going to the island and she's taking the kids and she's got the suit and he's stuck there and he's in trouble. No, and now, the kids like, start away. The kids start away. Yeah, but that's my point. Like they yeah. like in the next scene of her not, of telling them they can't go, like they're there in the plane. You're like you said, like the pace just keeps going. Um, but the, it's very interesting that they have separate stories until that moment, because like he is at fault for putting his family through this for his midlife crisis. But once he realizes that like his friends had been murdered by this company, that there's a legitimate bad guy here that he has to stop with an evil plan, then things shift. He is at fault, but there is a evil here that must be stopped. So the the story does does the the hard work through the characters to get you to a kind of cheesy bad guy plot, and it all works because you like these people and um, you like following them to the point that they become a family of superheroes. It's really this is like this also. Oh, man, this movie is written so much better than I remember it being. It's like this is like this holds up as a superhero movie, and we've just we are coming off of eleven years of Marvel. Like really, I did like after I saw it's like I did not realize how well this holds up. Well, a, a thing that is in its favor is um, that it's an animated movie. And that not only is it an animated movie, it's an animated movie being produced by the best animated animation company at the time. Like, it, it, Brad Bird has shown that he's very good at action, that he can make action set pieces and, and craft them in either live action or animation properly so that you're entertained and that things are fluid and that they look good. But... Um, I, I, I don't know if, like, because I don't really see a lot of superhero movies stealing from this one. It, it just sort of, it, it's just good at the time. And what else was out there? Like, just Spider-Man was out there and X-Men was out there. Yeah, yeah. it was ahead of its time. Yeah, it ter- like, in terms of pacing and dynamic and, like... And like action, honestly, like this movie was way ahead of its time. Yeah, like just, now it's it, now it's it, commonplace. <laughs> well, yeah, like most most live action movies have so much CGI that they look animated. But I I I don't know if because we know it's an animated movie that we give into it, but it just allows for the action scenes to be more realistic. These are the characters making these movements. There's no stuntmen. There's no um, weird cutting of a guy trying to get over a fence through 11 cuts. It's like I, you get to see Frozone put the ice there. You get to see Elastigirl stretch. You see the worry on her face as she's about to parachute out of a plane with her kids. You see the, you see the look on her face when she wakes up falling from the sky. Like The animation allows us to be there up close with these characters as superheroes, which... I think now we're getting better at that in live action, but it, was, it wasn't even near what it could be then. Right. So it's just like, um, I'm starting to think. Okay, so let's pose the question: better or worse than the se- than, than its sequel? Um, 
there's a lot of things that I like about the sequel. I think it's close. And there's a lot of things that I don't. I think I think this one's a better movie. I think the second one has like I get the whole family dynamic of them of what the dad's going through and him having to be a stay-at-home dad and stuff like that. And I think the Which is karma. Which is total karma. <laughs> it is, but at the same time and, and at the same time I do love Elastigirl. I think the best action scene is her scene in the city with the train and the motorcycle and stuff. I I think though that what would have made it better is if they were a family of superheroes from the beginning and they didn't separate again. I actually don't like the fact that the mom is going through the same thing that he goes through in this movie. It's, it, I, I enjoy this movie the moment when they start to become a family and they're on the island and they they have to like crime fight together and they're all excited because they don't have to be um, normal. They don't have to pretend anymore. They can just be themselves as a family of supers. I really love that. And they don't, I, those elements are there in the second movie, but then there's all these things like the girlfriend's boyfriend and his amnesia thing there's the son and his bit with the dad and like i like that the dad has to form better relationships with his kids but as a, as a superhero action movie i think they um make some missteps especially when the entire third act is on a ship i i don't like the fact that it's on a ship mm. i i think this movie builds perfectly it's it, it, you watch action scene after action scene of the dad going through these easy things. Um, and then you see the, the mom and the kids go through some perilous stuff and then like they get off the island and then it becomes a genuine action movie where they have to stop. Like the stakes get higher and higher. And as they do, the family gets closer and closer and things get more fun. And I just think it, they all build pretty well. Yeah. I, I'm leaning in that I'm leaning in that direction, Joe. I really, 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 really like the sequel. Um but like I w- like like I said, I was stunned at how well this holds up compared to like today's stuff. Yeah, I think this is a pretty um it's it's not dense, I would say, but it isn't sparse either. It's not a simple story, but I do think that it's more simple than the second one. I think the second one has a lot of plates spinning and none of them, not all of them are as rewarding. Whereas here, everything comes together really well to, to form something pretty good. Again, the best Fantastic Four story around. Yes. But uh, I, I, it's, the, it's the exact opposite with like John Wick. Like I think John Wick's sequel has better action um, and more fun world building uh, despite the story being whatever. And the first movie being a really simple story is why a lot of people love it so much that it's just, it doesn't have that showy stuff to it. And maybe that's the thing about the second one, but I don't really feel that way when I'm watching it. I feel like there's just a lot of shag that doesn't need to be there. Um, And story directions that I just don't think they go the right way. Um, Especially if they think they were going to make more. It's just, it was, I, I think the biggest problem is how long it took for them to make the second one right doesn't it feel like they just waited too long yeah i guess wait hold on what did brad bird make after the incredibles ratatouille 
Oh, he went from Incredibles to Ratatouille to Mission Impossible 4. Yeah. Wow. Huh. He also had story credit on like Wally and a, and a few other Pixar's, but yeah, he was he did two Pixar's before he um, did the Mission Impossible and then Tomorrowland, and then he decided to make the second in- Incredibles. Interesting. Okay, well, man. I'm actually having a hard time. Like figuring out if which one oh man. It's real it's for me it's really close and I can't make that call just yet. Uh, yeah. I may have to I may have to see the second one though. I, I understand the argument that the second one's a little weaker, but it's just like I just I just I guess I just like its approach of like I was really hoping that the second one would pick up like 15 years later. I was hoping for that, but they decided, okay, it's going to be a direct sequel. I'm like, okay. I feel like it would have been more interesting if they had like just done the 15 year leap, but like, we got what we got. Like, I guess I'm leaning towards the first one. Being better. Yeah, I, I think the first one is better. I, I don't think there's a problem. The great thing about animation is that you don't have to do that 15-year gap. You can just... You, you don't. Like, that's the great thing about the voice actors on The Simpsons. They're still doing it years later. But I uh, I think the, the problem with the second one is that the, the dad story is not as interesting as the mom story. And then there's all this like side stuff. There's a lot of extra superheroes. There's a lot of extra celebrity voices. Um, there's a lot of like just plate spinning in, in that movie, and I don't think all of it's worth it. And this one's just a bit cleaner. But I also wonder what it would have been like if Bradford had stuck to his guns, and instead of making two live action movies, we had a, an Incredibles movie between this one because we we've in the span of two incredibles we've had two toy story movies two more mm. yeah oh well um it b is plus is great um I'm gonna go a minus. Okay, I I get that. For for its time in the world of Pixar, like to- Toy Story was a a big a big fucking deal. Bugs Life was a meh for a lot of people, and I don't know why because it's a pretty pleasant movie. Uh, Monsters Inc. is just adorable, and it'll always be adorable. Adorable. Um, I know. I love Finding Nemo. Nemo was the one that I. That really struck me. And it wasn't like I was a kid. I was in high school. But there's just something about the the ocean for me that just like, it works. I, I don't know. It's soothing for me. I find the music to be really good. I like that late 90s clarinet. You got me with that Kenny G. Uh, I, but for some reason, you would think The Incredibles would have hit me. 
you, you think that like I that in 2004, right when I graduated college, that this would be I was like, oh, man, superhero stuff. It's getting everywhere. It's going to be great. But like it didn't. It just I liked it, but I don't love it the way that so many people love it. But watching it now, and especially after watching the sequel, because I didn't watch it before I watched the sequel. I just watched the sequel when it came out. And I was like, this is good. This is an OK movie. Watching it now for this, like this movie's super tight. This movie's really well constructed. It it uh, yeah, like it, it's great. It's a great movie. Yeah, I, I'm gonna go a minus. I don't. I I think the second one is more along the line of a B plus. This one, I just think I, I, it's so well written for both its genre as well as being a just a kids movie, the silly little kids movie. Plus, I love Jason Lee. I think he's a great villain. Um, apparently, his work in Dogma got him the villain role in this, and I love Helen. I love Helen uh, Hunter. Wait, who is Syndrome? The guy who played Beelzebub in Dogma. Uh, suit. Oh, you mean the guy who played uh... Chippendales? Stop. I'm just trying to Chippendales. Um, yeah, Chippendales. Alvin and the Chipmunks. Yes. Okay. There you go. I I I have been trying for years to figure out who plays Syndrome, and I never had the patience to Google. Like, no, I'm gonna think of it. I'm gonna guess it. I'm gonna get it right. I never would have thought. Never would have thought it was the guy from. I never put two and two together. Hearing his voice in um, Alvin and the Chipmunks or. If you if you had spent the time watching him in Kevin Smith movies, including Dogma, you would have known. Like the moment okay. I, cause I had watched all of the Kevin Smith movies by the time this had come out, the moment that he showed up as Buddy, and then the moment he said he talks to um, Mirage in the shadows and invites Incredible to dinner, I was like, oh, dude, Jason Lee, right off the bat, like he him him being a va- a bad guy or having that kind of like salty tone about him was always there. He lost it after, I would say, this. Like, he just st- stopped being that guy for a while. I have no idea why. I think he's a Scientologist, actually. But, um... <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's great. I don't know why he doesn't work as much anymore, but, like, he... And I'm hoping in the new Kevin Smith movie he gets that that mojo back, because he is one of my favorite things about the View Askewiverse. Um, and that's just my favorite form of him acting, just him just being a wise ass super fast. And yeah, him being the like villainous guy in Dogma totally got him this. He walked into the re- recording studio and knocked it out of the park in four days. Dang. Yeah, other actors, including um, uh, the uh, Craig T. Nelson, had to be there for like two years as they continued to work on it. But he was like in and out. Hmm. Yeah, I'm more in like I'm probably gonna give like the sequel a B, not a B plus. But my thing is like The Incredibles holds up so well to me, like pacing and writing. It's like again, it's ahead of its. I think it's ahead of its time, especially with all just the the eleven years of Marvel that we just got. And um, technically, the animation 
like is like when in terms of like people moving and shadows and all that other, all that other stuff like to me that's like that stuff that little stuff holds up like but like the details of like the backgrounds and the color palette just doesn't really like it doesn't like pop out at me like the sequel does yeah, sequel's a mess with detail. And I love it for it. But, like... To me, I just... To me, I just can't get the first Incredibles over B+. So I'm going to give it a soft B+. With room... With... I'm going to give it... I'm going to give it some breathing room, but I'm giving it a soft B+. If I ever come to watch it again at like a friend's house or something. Yeah, I mean, I think if I was, there are things you can compare this to other Brad Bird movies or other um, superhero movies, or I think the thing that you would probably compare it to the most would be other Pixar movies. And I guess when I think about it in those terms, and I think about what are my A's or A pluses in the world of Pixar, this may go down to a B plus for me, but. Honestly, now that we have like movies like Cars two and three and Planes, it's a whole other story. Planes was actually not made by Pixar. Really? Yeah, it was made by Disney Animation. Huh. That's even more interesting, isn't it? <laughs> Considering they're set in the same universe, supposedly. I think exactly. Uh, um, I there. Yeah, I um, I gotta say. I mean, I really, I really think the chase scene with Dash is so good. I oh, it's that, great. I, I think it holds up wonderfully. Um, uh, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest. Watching this now, I've been really, I was really impressed at how they just, they just understand how to form a good superhero team. And I understand they use basically family moments and family bonds and family jokes, jokes like "Are we there yet?" and stuff. But ultimately, it works better than any other ensemble um, superhero team-up thing since the Avengers, and that would be like six years later. Uh, not even that. No, it was eight years later. Um, and no, it still holds up as like. Their powers really complement each other because of the decisions they make and how they approach them and how they work together and they fight as a family as well as they like come together as one. Like watching them fight the bad guy at the end, I was for the first time able to think about how they were using their powers to fight each other at the dinner table. And I was like, wow, no, like, okay, I get it. Like this this whole movie is constructed for the last third act for them to be a team. And like we just saw the Fantastic Four do it horribly so and i'm really impressed at how just like they do it so well here they knock it right out of the park and then you have themes of like bad fandom and uh midlife crisis and romance and lying to your family and uh, just mediocrity and uh, how uh every how just like on uh, um everyone getting a trophy at the end of the game is harmful to a certain degree, I, I all, the, all that stuff is there, as well as being like great action, as well as having like great performances, really solid jokes. I, I 
Ah, you know what? A minus. I'm gonna go A minus. All right, that's that's totally fair. Um. Okay, you ready to spin this bad wheel? Do you have any rec- Do you have any recommendations? What What do we got on the list? What do we got on the back? Okay. So, all right. Let's let's look at the uh, the backlog here. Again. Ah, oh, no, no. That one. Backlog. Riccio. There's only four of these. Um, North. Ooh, yeah, North. Dare- <laughs> Daredevil, 2003. Mm-hmm. And Godzilla. 1998. Um, I'm gonna go north. You gonna go north? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Um, uh, I really don't. I, I really should think about this more. Whoa, Kubosabi. Dead air. Um, uh, my favorite favorite Kurosawa movie. Wokimosabi Dead Air. I don't know. Dang. Um Alright. Fifty worst movies. I'm gonna go. We're gonna. I haven't done this in a while. The IMDb one. IMDb. Okay. Worst movies. All right. Let's 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 take a look here. Bottom one hundred. Go for it. <laughs> Birdemic shock and terror. Um, Good one. That is. I've actually seen that like four or five times. We agreed not to do battlefield. Earth. Um, no, I, w- I would do that. It'd be I, a chore. It would be a chore, but like, I, yeah, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. It's up there. Rollerball. That's the one that I put on there. Oh yeah, it's already on there. Oh. Oh. I okay. We could either have some fun, or I could put you through hell. What are you thinking? Cast your mind back to nineteen ninety-seven. You know, Michael Michael Jordan's dominating the basketball world. So of course DC picks Shaquille O'Neal to do their Steel movie. Hmm. And it tanks horribly, even with the presence of Judd Nelson. I've seen that. Is it as bad as the three point four out of ten? I think you and I, I think you and I would have a good time talking about that. Or I could put you through hell with a twenty seventeen animated film that was widely panned and nearly caused Chris Duckman to have a heart attack. The Emoji Movie. Oh God! Yeah, I would, I would much rather do Steel than the Emoji Movie. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep looking, but that's where I'm at, real quick. I'm just gonna keep looking here. Um, emoji so, Movie is just a lazy. It's too lazy for me to care. Steel, um, it's ambitious. Let's just say that. 
Mm. There's a lot of horror movies on here. We already got Dungeons and Dragons on here. Hold on. <gasps> right. Okay. 2009. Okay. Um. We could okay. We could cast our mind back to uh, 2009. And oh man. Oh my god. Okay. Folding Ideas did a video on this movie. Can you guess which one it is? If you've seen it. Um. Not off the top of my head. So, video game movies, right? They're bad. Widely, universally bad. Um, unless done in a specific way. They can't even get the Uncharted movie off the ground. So, and the original voice actor, Nolan North, he has admitted, like, it does, it's not going to translate. Like, it's you just can't make that again. Expect, mm. it, to, expect it to do better. Um... Or as good. So, who made this? Um, I don't know who made this. Okay, so, Street Fighter The Legend of Chun-Li. Ah, yes. I've not seen this. Ooh. Or, ooh, that's one that I haven't seen. Um, 1998? We could cast our mind. We could go. Okay, okay. We could watch the Avengers. Oh God, no! <laughs> that movie's too boring. It's boring. There's some. Okay. Trust me. You get to see Sean Connery in a teddy bear outfit in a room full of other giant teddy bears. Yeah, there's moments in it, but it's genuinely boring. Um, the Cat in the Hat, 2003. Oh, ooh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, Man, I dude, could really... I I, that's a rough one, but I'd talk about that one. Yeah, that I I just watched that for shits and grins one day, and I was like, holy, holy fuck. So yeah, okay, yeah, I'm going with that. I'm going with that. Crazy one. I'm going with that one. I'll put my north against your cat in the hat. Okay, we'll flip, we'll flip a virtual coin here. The virtual coin. Okay. Both are just insane. All right, which one do you want? Heads or tails? Tails. Flipped. You win. It's North. Oh my God. No. Oh my God. Holy crap. Holy crap. Okay. So I want you to make I want you to make a note right here. So um we tried to when we tried to watch toys, we couldn't find it anywhere. I have not looked to see if North is Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's make sure. If North is nowhere to be found then I'll put the cat in the hat there because I'm pretty sure you can find that in some places. But uh, North, um, it's super old and it did really poorly, so I don't know if anyone wants to own it. You can find it anywhere. In 1994. It's on Amazon Prime. It, North is on Prime? Yes. I could watch North tonight for free. Yes. I may watch North tonight for free. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on. Let me look at this overview. Okay, yep. Let's do it. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Dan Aykroyd's in this movie? The poor soul. Everyone's in this movie, man. Dan, or- Dan Aykroyd. You don't know what Dan Aykroyd has done to film. You don't know, Chris. Have you even okay. heard of Nothing But Trouble? It sounds aptly named. Nothing But Trouble, Chris, when I put it on the bad wheel, I'm going to make a big deal out of it. You're not ready for it yet. 
but one day I'm going to put it on and you're going to be like, is that a penis on Dan Aykroyd's nose? Wait a second. Is that Tupac Shakur? Yeah, no. You don't even know what Nothing But Trouble is. Dan Aykroyd will forever be ragged over the coals for Nothing But Trouble. And it's not even mentioning Dr. Detroit, where he's a just pimp for some reason. But no, no. Nothing But Trouble, Chris, is the worst thing that Dan Aykroyd has ever done. And he deserves, he deserves every punishment in the world for that. Okay. Oh, you do not know. The bad wheel is as follows. We will spin it again next week. Um, it's sad because we only get two spins before we have to do Le- uh, Rise of Skywalker predictions, which I'm working on. Um, I'm not. I haven't actually done any research. In the 12, 12 have to days. Sp- uh, I don't know another when- full week. I don't know when I'm going to actually see it. Oh. Well, we'll figure that out when we get to it. We'll cross that bridge. I, 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 I don't see North on Prime. Is it not? Well, okay. Google says it's on there. Otherwise, there's Voodoo. Otherwise, there's Voodoo or YouTube or Google if I, Movies. If it can be rented on YouTube, then it's fine. North, 1994. Why does it keep going 9,000 in 94? Maybe because uh, you're typing 9,094? No, I'm using my voice into a voice thingy. Oh. I can't type. I can't read. Yeah, you can rent North on YouTube. Okay. Okay, good. Great. Oh. No, it's not good. I got to spend money on it. Great. Um. All right, so... Bad Wheel is as follows. The Last Airbender. Ugh. The Watcher. Ugh. That movie's... Okay, I don't know how we're all going to respond to that, but, like... (laughs) I'm glad I put it on. The Star Wars Holiday Special. The sole reason why we are spinning this again. Yeah. The Wicker Man. The bees. Doom. It's not that bad. Master of Disguise. Horrible. Maybe a turtle for you. I'm a turtle. Freddy got fingered. That's on you, bro. That is on me. I will own up to this. I will own up to this. I will regret my decision, though. Um, I'm oh, my God. It. Your response by the end of this is going to be like, Alex, what did I just watch? <laughs> what did I do to myself? Why did you let me do this? No, like, you, that's not even going to be your question. You're just going to ask over and over again, like, what did I watch, Alex? Like, what's the point of that? <laughs> what was it? What did I watch? And um, I'm going to have to like, somehow explain it to you. David Ayer's Bright on Netflix. That's still a thing. I guess. Dragon Ball Evolution. Pretty bad movie. Howard the Duck. Duck titties. Hard ticket to Hawaii. Razor Frisbee. Snake in a box. Dungeons and Dragons. You're going to be shocked by this movie. Rollerball. You're also going to be shocked by this movie. Love on a Leash. Nothing can prepare you for love on a leash. 
<laughs> is it actually just a heart on a leash the whole movie? No. I I nothing can prepare you for love on a leash. Mm. Coming to theater near you. <laughs> no. Alright, you ready for this? Go for it, bro. Here we go. I feel like I'm mixing a potion. Yeah, that sounds weird. Oh my god. Ah! I'm nervous. Oh boy. You have Netflix, right? Uh, we're watching Bright. We're watching Bright. Okay. <laughs> okay. Do we? Okay, we're gonna we're gonna spin this again next week. Yes. Do we just want to get it over with now? That is on you, dude. That's your call. Let's do it again. I honestly want to do it again because I like the thrill of this wheel. So we're gonna replace Bright. Oh, it was. It almost had Dragon Ball Evolution. Not gonna lie. It was, on, it was on the edge. Okay, so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna replace Bright with North. I'm glad to get Bright off the wheel. Yeah. Replace Bright so, with North. So you're saying when we do, we're spinning the bad wheel next week, and then what happens after that? Predictions. Uh, predictions and the Rise of Skywalker review. Yeah, I mean, I want to... And yeah. then, and then, new series. Right. And then you're just, I mean, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad the whole, like, hype of whether we'll watch it or not will be over, and we'll see how Zach responds that, to that. Um, it doesn't, it will never negate, ever, Chris, how bad this thing is. Yeah, I know. I always, always speak with the weight of the same tenor as I speak of a lost family member. So, <laughs> okay. So this is, so we're going to, I'm going to spend this one last time for the end of the year. Mm-hmm. This is for after bright. So going into before predictions. Oh, you're going to spin right now for it. That's what I was asking. It's like, do you oh. want to spin this now? Because we're going to have to spin it anyway. Plus, I like the thrill of this wheel in a very sick way. Uh, if you want to go, if you want to find out now, I'm for it. Yeah. Do you have a second? Uh, yeah, we have Cat in the Hat. Yeah. So we, are, we already replaced Bright with North, and we got Cat in the Hat. So, yeah. Let's just, let's just oh. do it. Let's just do it. Okay. I mean, if it happens, it happens. If it, yeah. I don't think it'll happen, but we'll see. I'm asking for it now. I'm doing this for Zach. I mean, you are literally giving, like, this is, like, the safest position ever. But, yeah. You, you gave it plenty of chances. You've given this wheel so many chances. And I'm giving it one more. If it does it right now, then, it, 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 then I must understand that this app you have is sentient, and it's been listening to us the entire time, and, like... Robots won, dude. Just kill yourself. After, <laughs> after the special. Okay, so here's what I'm gonna do. And I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to this app. If it is sentient. Let's see. So, okay, I listen like, you. Listen you. 
you have on your person a very bad movie that everybody wants me to see. And by everybody, I mean Alex and Zach. Totally. You have the power to make that happen. You You ultimately have that choice of whether or not we do it. You sentient app you. Yes. You can't hear what Alex is saying right now, but I'm telling you, this is up to you. This is your decision, Bad Wheel. Do you understand? This is your decision. Whether or not we do this movie. Please, Bad Wheel. They are begging you, but it is ultimately your decision. So, in closing, in the words of Charles Xavier from Days of Future Past, everything that happens now is in your hands. Pretty sure that was said in another movie, but yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, but that's the one I remember from more often. More Absolutely. Um, so, the movie we will review after Bright. Actually, that does sound like... Yeah, I, 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 all I did was change the background, too. Mm. Please. Oh, Bad Wheel, no! The movie we will be reviewing after Bright. Hard ticket to Hawaii. It doesn't want it. It doesn't want it. (laughs) It doesn't want it. I feel bad for you, man. The last thing you're going to see with Luke. Wait! 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 Pending review. We have to make sure this is available. Oh, it's available. For sure. Okay. Hell, I think it's for free on YouTube. Whoops, that's not the button I wanted. Man, that sucks. You have to watch the special after the Skywalker. So sorry. Hard ticket to Hawaii. You know what? Hard ticket to Hawaii. No. No. Zach, I said three to four spins. I'm giving it, I'm giving it another spin. And if it doesn't land on it, we will do Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Or you know what? We'll just do whatever it, cho- it chooses. I'm giving it one more chance. Uh, just let's hard, t- hard Ticket to Hawaii is for free on YouTube. Um, okay. So we can still go that route if you want. If you really want to do it again, then I'm then I'm no. respecting I do. You're, you're giving it every chance in the world, man. You really are. This is, like, I said three to four chances, and we only have two weeks left. That's true. And it's not like it, none of us wanted this. It just sort of happened. Actually, if we do do this, we'd have to combine the predictions episode with um, the review, with the second review. So after Bright, we'd have to do the predictions. Then, you know, we'd have to mix the predictions with the review of the second movie if we were to do this well, twice. The predictions thing doesn't even necessarily have to be within the same week. We could do it like days before it happens. And then on top of that, we're, we won't be watching a movie. With sure. it. So none of us are going to have to schedule it like two hours before we talk to you right. thing. Well, just, we could just figure it out a little bit easier. Just before December 19th. Yeah. So 
here's the, here's what I'm gonna do. We're gonna spin one more time. I'll see. Also, if we can do the predictions episode when you're comfortable that you have your predictions locked in. Yeah, like I'm gonna do some reason like starting now. I've just been like not watching stuff just so I could like have an open mind and then like right. it's coming fast. Like it's you're right, yeah. it's twelve days. Twelve days until I see it. So which is in jeopardy because my work scheduled me the day I bought my tickets. So I'm gonna have to go in quit. to quit. I'm gonna have to either call in that day or be like, Yeah. So I'm going to spin it one more. I'm going to spin it at least one more time, if not two more, if I don't feel satisfied. But I said three to four. That was two. We have Bright. I'm giving it one more chance. Okay, man. All power to you. I respect this. Like, this is, this is crazy, man. You're crazy. Zach, I'm do Zach, you're listening to this. You better be listening to this. Or I wouldn't listen to your own show. Yeah. I'm doing this for you. <laughs> Okay, I'm being super nice to you right now because I'm a sick individual and I enjoy the thrill of this. This is crazy. All right. Bad wheel, one last chance. It's up to you. Sounds like a fart in a bathtub. Oh my god. The Watcher. Wow. The thing is being rough. It was one away. Wow, really? One away. If it had gone over one more, it would have been the holiday special. This really is the bad wheel. <laughs> it's a very bad wheel. A very bad wheel. Okay. Watcher, a hard ticket, or another roll? I'm going to roll it one more time. Whatever it lands on is what we're doing. Whoa, dude. All right. This is four. This is the maximum promised. Four. All the marbles. Or the bubbles. Yeah, four. All the bubbles. The bubbles. Bad wheel. Do it for Zach. Right. Uh, oh, he's going to be happy about this one. The next movie we will review for definitively, definitively, the next movie we will review for real ACs Dungeons and Dragons. Nice. Okay. He will like that to a certain extent, but he's mad. It's not the holiday special. We gave it so many shots, bro. This thing is just like, not yet. I gave it four chances tonight. Dude, uh, four straight chances, man. Like, uh, no, all power to you. You, like, I don't know what's up with this thing. We are, in fact... Okay, people, okay. He's going to be like, I don't believe you, but at the same time, I believe you. Like, no, 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 no. It's like, we've been doing this giving this. Believe you. And we've done the movies we've done. Like, if it did not land on it, I would not do it. 
There's some movies here we wouldn't have talked about. Right. So, The Watcher and Hard Ticket to Hawaii will stay on there, on the wheel for now. Dungeons and Dragons, we will definitively do. And I will replace that with Cat in the Hat. Okay. Oh, my gosh. It, it, I gave it as many chances as I could. I'm sorry, Zach. I did. I'm not lying. I promise I'm not oh, lying. You have nothing to apologize for. It's that wheel. It is the wheel. It's the wheel, man. We tr- it, we, it, wa- we try. it wants us to like pick a nice sunny day in summer or spring where we want to go outside and we want to enjoy our friends and family. It's going to make us sit down and watch that. I'm just gobsmacked. Dude, I am too. I'm shocked. You think that the thing was like, this thing has been here for so long. If this was Vegas and you put odds on that, that'd be crazy. Okay. It wouldn't be the same thing if I watched another review of it. Like, I've seen Stuckman's review and Mr. Sunday Movie's review of it. I feel like I've seen enough of it to want to die. But I have to see the move, the full movie for Zach to be satisfied. And the wheel said no. Here, here's the thing about the special. You can watch like three or four bits of it because it is episodic in a row and be like, yeah, this is awful. But no, it's, it's, it's legit sitting there watching it beginning to end where you're like, just shoot me in the balls already. Jeez. <laughs> just like they're here. They're out. Shoot them. <laughs> Uh, like I uh, know, but my my whole bit, my whole joke about all of this is that I would hope you watch it before the um, trilogy is over. But you're it not. It really, it really is the last major thing I have left to watch. Oh, in Star Wars, even if it's not canon, it is just a thing that people talk about. Very much so. Yeah. And if uh, they were, as John Favreau has talked about doing, if they were to make. Another holiday special, it has to be intentionally as bad as this one. I don't know if he would do one intentionally as bad, but I do think that they would have to reference bits and pieces of it and try to make it as funny for fans as possible. Like, are we talking like wink and a nudge humor or like? It, I, it's hard to explain without actually explaining what happens in the special. I feel like I already know. Like, my God. Uh, like, what? Like, can explain a couple things that happen in it. All I know is that there's Wookiee porn. Carrie Fisher can't sing. Mm-hmm. Harrison Ford looks embarrassed. Yeah. Mark Hamill looks like a wax doll of himself. He does. They used clips of the Falcon flying from A New Hope. Um, yeah, Chewie, gonna, has a, Chewie has a family. Let me stop you right here. Um, have you ever heard of the uh, the iceberg idea? Um, the I haven't even... Like, the, the there's idea a lot on like, the surface, but there's much more underneath. Yeah, dude, you don't know what the hell you're... Ooh. There's a scene that happens in a, in a bar for a guy who drinks through a hole in his head, but it's B. Arthur and another guy. They're like 60 years old. Like, you, you don't know these people. There's a cooking show clip. There's a guy that, like, destroys. I remember group. the cooking show clip. I actually do remember that from a review. 
there's a random band that plays for a while. There's just this thing that does gymnastics on the table to, like, I, dude. Wait a minute. Stop. Hold up. Stop. Is it the, is it the Surfer Teen Confronts Fear of Star Wars? Dude, it's the Surfer Teen Confronts Fear of TV specials. Because you're describing a lot of random stuff, and it seems very sequential. Well, the thing about the thing about this and the TV specials of that era is that they were variety shows. They were sketch shows, basically. Like they all had a string that lined them up, but it was just a place for celebrities to come in and do silly jokes and maybe sing a song or two. And like uh, the whole point of this is that it's the theme is that it's Star Wars, but then also. It's holidays because they don't have Christmas there. It's Star Wars. They they have Light Day, so they Life just day, yeah, oh, yeah. They have like this holiday special, but really it's just a variety show within the Star Wars universe, filled with aging uh, comedians, um, people that were old for the era. Like the the what makes it so crazy is that this is a format that was old for the time that it premiered, like almost twenty years old. I, it's just crazy. I don't, it, it always boggled my mind because I know a lot about like the fifties and sixties and what television was like then. And to think that they had this like variety show hour thing within star Wars in the middle of the seventies when it was dying is just crazy. It's just, it, especially when everyone is involved. So yeah, it's like, it's, it's segmented, but the framing device is that Chewie's family is waiting for Chewie to come home. That's it. So, but the problem is they're all talking in Wookiee speak, but they don't have subtitles. So it's just fucking weird. And that's the thing that you keep going, coming back to. So all the variety stuff where you see, like, I think it's um, some 70s band plays. There's a cartoon. You see this figurine come to life and do gymnastics. The grandfather looks at porn. Like, yeah, there's a lot of things that happen, but it's all tied into the fact that this family is waiting for Chewie to come home. Mm. Yeah, just um, <sighs> it's just yeah, yeah. The, we the, the wheel, the wheel said no. Wheel I said gave no. it four consecutive shots. You gave it more than enough. So the next movie we will do is Bright. Yeah. After that, will be Dungeons and Dragons. And then Rise of Skywalker, and then new series. Yep. Also, let's start thinking about replacements for series, or just put it in the back of our minds. Hang on, let me pull up the series, the series wheel, real quick. Let's just put that in the back of our heads as we didn't continue. You, did you put the marine on there? No, I didn't. No, wait, did I? Yes, I did. <laughs> oh my god. What really worries me is you said no, you didn't. Like, you were shocked. No, I didn't. I would never do that. Those movies suck. Oh, yes, I did. I apologize. <laughs> okay. Series wheel is as follows. Terminator. Oh, man. New movie came out. Didn't do so well. Really says a lot about, like, movies nowadays and what's... Maybe George, it... Cam... What is George it? Cameron. James Cameron. Brian, George Lucas, and James Cameron. Um, that's a heck of that's a, that's a heck of a combination, though. Um, DC Extended Universe. So from Man of Steel to Aquaman. 
Yikes. And I'll depending on demons that time. Yeah. Um that will be that's like literally the next Transformers. Yeah. Um The Matrix. Hey. Troy Baker, he plays Joel in The Last of Us. He argues that The Matrix is the greatest franchise ever. And I'm like, you're crazy. He's crazy. I I personally argue it's Marvel, honestly. But um I maybe that's just me being this is maybe maybe that's just me being in the moment, but I honestly think it's Marvel. Marvel's certainly the most successful, and um Star Wars is certainly the most popular. Um the best uh I I if I were to just go off the top of my head, I would think of two. And oh no, you know what? I can't think of two, just one. Um Back to the Future. Mm. I, I think that is the most solidly entertaining three films that you could watch either in the same day, with a couple days apart, or within the same week, and still have a good time. Just like, mm. I know none of them are like, egregiously bad, and you always enjoy Doc and Marty together. And by the end of the film, you're satisfied. By the end of the series, you're just, like mm. truly satisfied. I think The Matrix... Um, shits the bed in the third movie exactly um i like his defense is like it's like um he's on record on video saying this he's like and as a retro replay uh, youtube channel he's like (laughs) it's so funny he's like i think it's i think he says it in a way that it's like it's his personal favorite but he's not willing to admit that or he's just doing that like jokingly or trollingly where it's like he says like I think Matrix, he says, like, he thinks Matrix is the best franchise ever. And he's like, uh, he's like, okay, people say Star Wars. I'm like, that's its own thing. Or he's like, or he's talking about, or Star Trek, that's its own thing. Like, that is not how you dodge that argument. That is not how you make that argument. Like, it's its own thing. Like, no, it's a franchise that counts. Doesn't even make any sense. Exactly. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, it's just dismissive. Um,. What some, what a few people would argue would be a one of the one, um, a candidate for this particular topic, Indiana Jones. Yeah, I mean that fourth movie, people hate. That, yeah, um, maybe it's not as bad as they say. What can we might find out? Um, the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings. Lord was- of the Rings, right there. Well, that was going to be my second, but The Hobbit counts, and those movies should be three. Oh, that is true. Pirates of the Caribbean. Nope. Mm. Not, not even close. Fast and Furious? Yeah, man. I think that's in the conversation. Uh, okay, in terms of quality, it's all to me, it's all over the place, but okay. Um, Wait till you watch them again, man. Yeah, it's true. Burton's Batman. So from Michael Keaton's first Batman to Batman and Robin, those four movies. That that is, those are weird movies. Just in general, all of them are weird. <laughs> the Marine. <laughs> it's all you, dude. That is my fault. This is like Freddy got finger. That is my fault. Um, I appreciate the, I appreciate the use of the word fault. Rocky. Love Rocky. 
Um, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Um, not the Amazing Spider-Man because no, that's bad. Well, you never know. And there's only two of them. That is that is true. There's only two of them. Well, we were going to count it as Spider-Man, but um, hang on, where was I? Right, Die Hard. Yeah, dude. That last movie's terrible. Uh, Evil Dead. Fun little series. Great TV show. As mentioned previously, Back to the Future. Sound serious, man. I'm, I'm just saying. I think it's kind of perfect. The Cornetto trilogy? That is a perfect trilogy that is not necessarily a franchise. Um, Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> That's mine. Um, yeah, those are fun. I like them. <clears throat> Daniel Craig's Bond. It'd be... Uh, It'd be nice timing. It would be. Um, Mad Max. Yeah, I love Mad Max. That includes Fury Road. Um, okay. And Lethal Weapon. I can't wait for that. Mm. Also, so I should just I should just like get this out. So we're coming up at the end of the decade, right? Yeah. Coming up at the end of the year too. Uh huh. Um, I think if the holidays aren't too much, which they probably will be, Rise of Skywalker is probably going to be our last show of the year. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's probably going to, that's probably going to be a long episode and I'm actually kind of okay with it. Um, Uh if we do this, so let's start thinking about the best movies we've seen this year and this decade. And then we'll talk can, about I, them. I can answer this decade pretty easily. This year might be a little bit hard for me. I did not see a lot this year. Yeah. Um, I'll have more to say about the decade, though, for sure. Yeah. But um, it's been a... It's been a very... I, to me, I think this year has been like... Not, not this year. Like, this decade has been like the decade of action just watching action just change from where it was at 2010 to where it is now i think it's, it's a just like, yeah yeah it's just like it's a weird we'll we'll talk about it um once i've compiled a list of my favorites um no doubt i think like my favorites have been like in like the last five years honestly I do agree. I've seen I think, a lot. Yeah. It's been a golden era for action the last 10 years, but I also, there's some very specific weird, there's some very specific art films and drama things that I would like to bring to the table that I think are probably going to go down as classics. Mm. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, we're, we're getting a lot. So, let's just sift through what just happened in the last 15 minutes. So, I spun the bad wheel four times. Next time, next episode, will be bright. Right. You know, yeah. That movie David Ayer doesn't talk about because he's still talking about how good Suicide Squad is. Um, 
And then after that, we'll do Dungeons and Dragons along with our predictions for the Rise of Skywalker. Then we will do the Rise of Skywalker and our year-end show and um, uh, and then we'll get into discussion about the year in review and the decade in review. And no doubt we'll probably talk about comic book movies and or like just Marvel or how Star Wars came in and just like, hey, I'm here. I'm still here, too. Um, so, yeah, that's and then after that, we will spin the series wheel and then start the new year as we do with a series. Absolutely. Except except after Star Wars, after Star Wars, we just spun back and forth and then we landed on Transformers that that was crazy that was pretty bad (laughs) you did you did have a meltdown by the end of it um I still I recently was reminded of uh Revenge of the Fallen and I still have a heart for that movie for whatever reason anyway so yeah that's our roadmap see you doctor yeah, see you, Doctor. If uh, Transformers is not right for you. Um, Bright, Dungeons & Dragons, Rise of Skywalker predictions, and subsequent review, plus the year and decade in review, and then new series. That's our roadmap. So, next episode is uh, Bright. David, Ay- David Ayer's follow-up, written by Max Landis. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, man, that's Bad news bears right there. We're going to have to do a trigger warning on him. We're going to have to do a trigger warning on Max Landis. Yeah. Not just because of the crappy stuff he's done. Not just because of that. But like, oh man. Anyway, alright. That's our show, everybody. We'll uh, see you on the bright side. <laughs> Always look on the bright side of life. Do-do. I forgot about that song. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Bring it all back to video games about Jesus. (laughs) That's not. Goodbye, everybody.